dead and now alive. Thank you. Before we jump in our passage for today, I've got a few um, pictures that I'd like to, to share with you. Now, the, these pictures are, are of the Pope, um, you know, Roman Catholic Pope. Um, it's, I'm Presbyterian. Yes, you're in a Presbyterian church. Uh, but high respect for the Pope. A cool dude and um, really smart and very faithful and really trying to live out his, uh, his live out the faith that he professes. Um, and, and so... I think we've got some of those pictures there for you um, and showing you know, how he's trying to engage, you know, with the, the world um, in, in these particular ways and even taking on new fashion, you know, for us. Yeah. Now, th- this last one has one little part in there. Oh, you can't quite see it, maybe that little black um, Box up in the top right corner says generated by by AI. All of those pictures actually were generated by artificial intelligence. They were not real. None of those was a picture of the real Pope in any of those places. And, And maybe some of them you might have even said, I can't quite see the Pope sitting in the cockpit of a F 12 fighter. And he did it. And you might be saying, well, I, how does that relate to Easter uh, Sunday? Uh, well, one is uh, this notion of artificial intelligence. Uh, any of you could have generated those pictures. There's a variety of websites. You could have written in a box. I want a picture of the Pope holding a microphone in a leather jacket at a biker's rally. 30 seconds, you'd have had that picture. It'd come up. Um, talk to any of your high school, college students or high school teachers and college teachers. They know that this artificial intelligence is real. Because I can go to any chat bot and I can type in, uh, I want a paper on the way they celebrated Easter in the Middle Ages in Bulgaria. And few minutes, you'd have a paper with sources written by artificial intelligence. Uh, I can go online. I want a sermon on Easter based on Luke 24 that talks about how are we going to communicate such an unbelievable story in such a distrustful age. How how do we communicate the reality of this unbelievable story of the resurrection in an age in which anything can look like it's real? I actually could go online and have a video made of me, my voice, artificial intelligence could go sample all of the sermons that I've given even while here. And now that it's on video, they got pictures of me. And they can put together, now this part you might like, a 20-minute sermon <laughs> that focuses on how we communicate the resurrection in an age of such distrust. How do we know what's real? How do we know what's artificial? That, that's the world in which we're living now. How do we know what's real? 
How do we know it's artificial? How do we communicate? How do we live this unbelievable truth in an age of distrust? Now, I think our passage has something to, to say about that, has some guidance for us as to how we live in to this particular world, given the reality of such an unbelievable story that we celebrate today. Let's uh, pray together, and, and then we'll turn to uh, Luke uh, 24. Let's, uh, let's pray. Almighty God, thank you again for your written word. Thank you as it speaks to us of your truth. And, and now, will your, your spirit, uh, Lord, uh, the spirit of the, of the resurrected Christ be real in us now that we would hear from you and, and learn and, and apply what you tell us. For, for we want to be real. We want to be real witnesses to you. We want to live in the power of the resurrection of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. All right, uh, a passage, uh, Luke uh, chapter, the very end of chapter 23 and the beginning of chapter 24. If you want to look up your pew Bible, you can. It's on page um, 884 Um, in there. Hear the word of the Lord. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath, they rested According to the commandment. But on the first day of the week. At early dawn. They went to the tomb. Taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in. They did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this. Behold. Two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale and they did not believe them. But Peter rose, ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves and he went home marveling at what had happened. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, one thing that you see from this passage is that indeed this story is hard to believe. What we have been singing and praising and rejoicing and playing about is that he is risen. Well, That's a hard story to believe. That does not normally happen. People do not normally die a gruesome death on Friday night. And then the next Sunday morning, they not only rise, but they're raised to lead a global movement. It's a hard story to believe. And that we have to recognize, particularly in an age of distrust. That this, this story is challenging 
particularly to those that don't know it. And it's challenging for us that do. I mean, because these are the folks that were the closest followers of Jesus. They'd experienced this last week. Remember just last Sunday? It's Palm Sunday. And Pastor Jennifer shared with us as Jesus was led in the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And the crowds were singing his praises. But the religious rulers and the, the, the Roman rulers, they hated it. They were threatened by Jesus' power among the people. They were scared. He was getting way too much power, way too many people around him. So we got to get rid of him. And they did. They eliminated him. So that just Thursday, as we walked this week with Jesus, he was with his disciples, giving the Last Supper, saying, I'm going to die. Here, this bread is now my body. This cup is now my blood. And then he was betrayed abandoned, denied, went went through a kangaroo court with false accusations brought about him, thorns stabbed into his head, and then hung on a cross, nails in his hands, in his feet, a spear in his side. And he died, a gruesome death, their leader. And yet these, these women, they were faithful, as, as we read, you know, they, they prepared all Friday after he died. They got all the spices they could and they had to stop because it was the Sabbath. No work could be done. So they had to wait at home. They had to stay there waiting, not working. But the first break of dawn on Sunday morning, they were out. And they had their spices. They were going to the tomb. They knew where Jesus was laid. They were going to prepare his dead body. When they got there, the tomb's really a closet almost, cut out of a rock. And they put a big rock in the front of it. But there's the space in this closet enough to to lay a dead body and sometimes a, a couple. But they got there and the tomb was open. And they looked inside and there was no body. And even then, the angels appeared to them. And still, they're perplexed. They're fearful. They, they don't know what's going on. Angels, they tell them what's going on. They run back to the disciples, to all the gods who are totally paralyzed in fear, uncertainty, shock, and grief. And tell them what's going on and they don't believe it either. Little side note here. It's one of the best illustrations of why this story must have unfolded this way. It wasn't wasn't made up because it puts the disciples and Jesus followers in this place where they don't believe this story either. And it uses one of the weakest witnesses in the first century. Women's testimony didn't count in the first century. So if you really wanted to put a story together that really demonstrated the power of Jesus being raised from the dead, it's reality. You'd want big wigs with big voices. In other words, men in the first century to see it. And tell everybody. But this is how it unfolded. The women were the one who remained faithful. And the guys stood back. And when the women came and told them, they still didn't believe. This is an idle tale. So even the most ardent followers of Jesus didn't believe this story. 
the angels shared with the women. Don't you remember? This is what Jesus said would happen. They they fed their faith by reminding them of the words of Jesus. And then the women acted. In this age of distrust, this age of uncertainty, and in this age when they were uncertain, even with angels in front of them, faith is fed when we hear the words of Jesus and obey. In this age of distrust, what the world needs is a group of people who focus their attention on the words of Jesus and then obey. And that's what feeds our faith. I love how the angels greeted the women when they came in loaded down with spices to prepare a dead body. Um, why are you looking for the living among the dead? I sort of find this humorous. It's sort of like somebody at Kroger saying, why are you looking for milk in the produce aisle? You know, or the... Host uh, at uh, La Rosa's, um, why are you coming here for an oil change? You know, do, you, do you get that you're living like Jesus is dead? But the reality is that Jesus is alive. Remember his words. He told you this was going to happen. Remember back in Galilee, he said that he's going to be turned over. To the officials, he was going to die, but on the third day, he would be risen from the dead. Now, I wish we had a little more of that conversation with those women. What what do you think was going on with them? As they're in the tomb, the grave clothes are there. They got these angels shining bright. Were they were they filled with? Oh yeah, you're right. Oh wow, I should have remembered those words. Uh, You know, silly me. Or were they like, you know? But I thought he's just talking. You know, he reminded me of my football coach at halftime when we were down by 50. We can still win the game, you know. And he's just telling us to do this so that we'll give it our best. Wasn't he just talking, you know, exaggerating a little bit? He didn't really mean we're supposed to live that way. Really believe that Jesus is alive, did he? In an age of distrust... For those of us who are followers of Jesus, for those of us who believe that this really is true, our charge is the same every time we gather. Remember his words and live by them. For eventually, remembering Jesus' words led them to act and to tell others, led them to greater faith. And as we read on in the story, led them to strength and to hope. Remember what Jesus said. Faith is fed when we gather together to remember Jesus' words and act on them. For those of us here that are hearing this as Jesus followers, are you doing that today? Are you, are you gathering regularly to hear his words with others who are doing the same to help us to, to follow his words? 
I mean, it's a hard story to believe. It's a hard story to live. And that doesn't stop with the resurrection. That stops with Jesus' words of saying, hey, don't worry. Do not be anxious about anything. For the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Is that just a football coach halftime speech? Or is that the reality of the word? If the Lord is my shepherd, what do I have to worry about? When he says, don't live in fear, don't live in anger, don't live in hatred, live in love. Matter of fact, love your enemies. Is that just an exaggeration? Or has that come from the voice of the resurrected one who says, no, I lived that way. Now you do the same. This is a hard story to hear. It's a hard story to do. But we believe the resurrection is not just a fable It's not a nice nursery rhyme. It's not a way to just say, okay, you guys, let's go this next year and live good. Live well. Be happy. No, we believe it happened. The Apostle Paul says, we believe it happened. Matter of fact, it had to happen. If it didn't happen, then we're the biggest fools. We're the laughing stock of the world. Because if Jesus didn't die and was raised, then we're still dead in our sin. Our prayer of confession is meaningless. If he didn't rise from the dead, well then, is there really anything after death? No, this is a story that we believe is true. It's not just words, but it's words to live by. And the way... That we live by them as Jesus followers is to remember them, to continue to gather with people who are doubtful, who are perplexed, who are scared, who, but who say we're going to follow Jesus. Well, then let's help do that. That's what the church is. Church is a community of perplexed, scared, fearful, worried, anxious angry people who come together and say, but we want to live according to a different way. So let's come together. Let's remember his words. Let's help one another. And then faith is fed. Hope is anchored. So that we live according to the way of Jesus. Of love, faith, and hope. And then for us to be witnesses of Jesus' resurrection to others. I mean, again, this is a hard story to believe. Now, most of you that are here, most of you that are hearing, you've had some kind of experiences. You've lived into this. I mean, you all know this. If you're a follower of Jesus, you've experienced this where you knew Jesus' words and they were hard. They were hard to believe and you followed them. And lo and behold, Jesus knew what he was talking about. God may just be the wise creator of all of life. Because you experienced it. You you came forward in a time of guilt and you confess, I'm sorry, I'm wrong, please forgive me. And you experienced the peace and forgiveness of Jesus. You, you, you had an enemy that was coming after you and you loved them. You cared for them. And maybe even they turned around and you forgave them and experienced that peace. 
Or, or, or maybe when it comes to, to, to life, you've heard God's word to you say, no, don't spend that there. Don't do that. Don't think that. You need to live this way. Think this way. And you found, oh, yes, he knows what he's talking about. I can tell you one brief experience of that is in premarital counseling. Anytime you come to me with premarital counseling, um, I'll tell you, all right, I want you to now, if you haven't, if you have experienced sex with one another, I want you to have a sexual fast from this day until you're married. So far, nobody's run out on me. But I did have one guy, eyes doubled in size, and gulped, said okay, and they came back. Came back right as we, as we talked. And he came back to me and said, you know, that was brilliant. I'm like, well, I can't take credit for it. But God maybe knows what he's talking about. That in this sexualized world, there's something more important about relationships that you really need to focus on. And he goes, yeah, that's exactly it. That's just one example of the many ways that God's truth is hard. It's not what we hear. It's not necessarily what we want. But it is true and it leads to life. And the world needs a group of people who are living according to Jesus to see it if it's really going to happen. Craig Van Gelder is a theologian in the Midwest and um, Midwestern seminary for a while. I'm not sure where he's teaching now, but he, he grew up in Iowa. His dad was a farmer. His grandfather was a farmer. His great grandfather was, far- was a farmer. His uncle and aunts are farmers. He says, farmers, they, they were distrustful long before this distrustful age. They were like, I don't care what any salesman says, what kind of fertilizer they're going to bring, what kind of soil amendment, what kind of seeds. I want to see it grow in some corn before I'm going to plant it in my field. And so he said one of his uncles uh, wasn't a farmer, but sold seed and sold some of the amendments to the soil. For the farmers. And so what he would do, he bought a plot of land, expensive little plot of land, just about an acre, so small, but real as close as he could to the corners of the town in Iowa that he lived in. And in that plot, he put the amendments that they sold, and he put the seed that they sold. And every year, that plot would just flower. I mean, the corn would grow bigger and taller, better and more harvest than you could imagine. And it was right in the middle of town. So every farmer had to come by. Every day that they came by, they saw what was happening. He didn't have to go sell anything. He just sat there and waited for them to come and ask, Hey, what's going on? Well, this is a demonstration plot. Of this seed and this fertilizer. And he goes on to say, the church is a demonstration plot of the reality of the resurrection. We are a place where folks outside the church need to come see, is this resurrection real or is it artificial? And for those that are here, here or online and you're just you're here because you know it's easter and so it's what your family does and you showed up you wanted to keep grandma happy and you know you, you like the devil eggs afterwards and so you want all that to go well yeah and and again it's a hard story to believe i mean i don't deny that in the least but i encourage you to check out jesus words 
to hang out with Jesus' people. You know, we're not perfect by a long stretch. But do it in the real way, not the artificial way. Don't believe everything you see on TV. But come and check out God's people. And see if you notice a difference in the way of life. But that's all the more significant for those of us who claim to be God's people. One of the reasons that we need to be hanging out in Jesus' words and hanging out with one another, open and honest relationships, because in a distrustful age of artificial intelligence, we need to be the real presence of the reality of the resurrection of Jesus to a distrustful world. The power of the resurrection is real. It's not artificial. And we get to be a part of that world in the power of the resurrection and the power of his spirit. May we live Easter resurrection every day. Let's not be living, saying Jesus is alive, but living like he's really dead. Let's not show up at the tomb with spices. Let's be heading out into the world filled with faith, love, and hope, powered by the resurrection. Let's pray. Almighty God, we do give you thanks for the reality of your power over death, over evil, over all that is destructive. We we give you thanks uh, that you have communicated that to us through your word, through your spirit, and even in our lives. And and we ask, Lord, that you, you would continue to be drawing us to yourself. You'd continue to be showing us ways that we're we're living like Jesus is dead instead of alive. Where anger or lust or distrust or hatred or listless apathy may be more forming us than faith, hope, and love. Uh, continue to, to form us as your community, as, as a church of people living in, in a world. People of trust in a distrustful age. People who are willing to engage in real relationships in an age where relationships become more and more shallow. And Lord, we, we cry out to you because we, we need your help as, as well. We, we continue to lift up to you the, the needs that are before us. Those who need a physical healing, relational healing, reconciliation. Those d- distraught in this moment for whatever reason, we pray your hope and your peace would be granted and give us the Strength and the wisdom to know how to come alongside one another. Challenging times. And Lord, we lift up to you as well, our brothers and sisters around the world. We pray particularly today for for those in communities uh, where the church is persecuted 
or, or oppressed. Where they have to hide in order to celebrate your resurrection. Where, where they, they face losing jobs, even life. For naming your name and following after you. Strengthen, power them. In other places, uh, Lord, where the, where the church is a, a small minority, uh, but they're able to worship together, may, may this be a season where they're able to share this miraculous, unbelievable story and show how real it is in their lives and draw others to know you, to experience your good news and the freedom that comes from knowing that, that death is not the end, that death has lost its sting and its power, that evil will not be victorious. May we, your church around the world, live in the fullness of the power of your resurrection. Thank you, Lord, for what you have conquered, what you have accomplished. We lift all this up in the powerful name of Jesus. And all of God's people said, Amen.